2: Good evening, Rifters. This is Riffs and Rules, the 5 e D&D Podcast, we we go through the many 5e books and talk about various rules to enhance your gameplay experience. I'm Nathan,
3: the Dungeon Master of Riffwake. And I'm Remy, a player on Riffwake and a Dungeon Master myself. And today we're here to talk to you about Funerals! And boy, is that a weird sentence to say in that tone? Um, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yay! Oh. Yes. Nathan,
4: what is a funeral? Um,
2: it's an event to commemorate a person's death.
4: Yeah, honestly, pretty much. So...
3: In D&D, you know, death happens. I mean, unless you're playing a world where absolutely everyone is immortal, people die. It's just a thing that happens. So that being said, how a funeral can work in Dungeons and Dragons is something that can be just massively variable. So before I go in too much of the hows, Nathan, why? Would funerals be a subject of interest in a Dungeons and Dragons game?
2: Okay, uh, I would say, to begin with, funerals are particularly useful um, for players and characters to kind of find a place after a player character has died. Um, It gives some breathing room in the story for um, and. In the story for the player characters and the players to see, okay, how far they've come, uh, what went wrong, um, all the memories they had with that um, NPC or player character. And, um, yeah, it's one of those things that sometimes you don't see, but um, is kind of really should, should be more of a thing.
3: Yeah, because a funeral is a massively important part of just human culture, and yet in D anD D, it is really glossed over for the most part.
2: I mean, it certainly was in Arc Two when Tarquin died. It was kind of like there was some
3: sort of memorial, though, to some extent, kind of.
4: So, like,
3: yeah, with that being said, it is also worth mentioning that there are I don't even know how many different ways to commemorate the dead. So there's the most common ones, of course, which would be like burial or cremation. But even in our world, you know, a world without magic, as far as I know, <laughs> then there are a lot of just interesting ceremonies and just things out there. But uh, actually, again, I keep uh, trying to get ahead of myself. Excuse me. So before I do that again. What differences might there be for funeral traditions in a D&D world compared to our own? Um like here's the
2: thing under the assumption that in your world there's some form of resurrection you know it might like certain things might be different in terms of funerals funerals might not always be a scenario where oh it's an event like an event to commemorate the dead it could be the same thing it could be like okay everyone gathers gathers up together to commemorate the dead person and then the family members make a decision for example okay we've decided um, he, he hasn't written uh, anything on, on like, uh, he hasn't written a will yet, but, like, um, let's say that sometimes in the world, it's like, I want to be resurrected, I don't want to be resurrected. But in this case, he doesn't write something. And it's like, we've decided, based on everything, that we do want him to be resurrected. Um, And, like, that might be an event that holds some weight in this world, where it's like, okay, you're going to make this large investment To bring your loved one back to life. And
3: that could be interesting. So there is also one important step that you're forgetting though. Speak with dead is a spell that exists as well. Oh right. Fuck. Yeah. And what's also interesting about that is that unlike the resurrection itself. Speak with dead does not have any consumable cost to it. So as long as you just had a magic user able to cast that spell, I mean, yeah, you'd have to, you know, pay them to cast it, but definitely better to do that first before you try, you know, not knowing if someone would accept the resurrection. Because one very important detail about resurrection that a lot of people do forget about is that the soul has to be free and willing to return. So if someone dies and doesn't want to come back, they won't. And that's just a a kind of unfortunate thing if that were to come about. But speak with dead honestly changes a lot because, again, in that will situation you were just talking about, speak with dead. You know, person didn't write a will. Oh, shit. You know, who's supposed to inherit? You know, who is you know, was the person killed or did they die of natural causes? Like, the ability to just ask the corpse what happened
4: is kind of amazing.
3: And, I mean, you're able to ask up to five questions to the corpse. So, it really just changes a lot, just kind of culturally, in just the way that things are around death. So, I've got a question for me.
2: Hmm? Do you think that having this would either one help people cope with death better oh, both. Or, or make it worse? Definitely both.
3: Because there could also be the situation of just like, Using you know, it did you die again. peacefully? Like, no, you asshole, I died in agony. <laughs> or just like, you know, no, I died hating you. Fuck you
2: no no that's not what i was thinking remy i was thinking like mm -hmm. there are people in real life that try and search out like mediums and whatnot for Uh that closure and stuff and like if speak to dead was a thing there would be some people who just use it repeatedly and repeatedly absolutely burn mountains of gold that they might not have to try and like keep in contact
3: with a dead relative yeah so there is actually a limit though to speak with dead in that the spell can only be used on the same corpse every 10 days like that is a built into the spell limitation so seems
4: like some thought was put into it
3: (laughs) yeah maybe But also just it was probably built more for just the sake of like player characters to not abuse it, just like to constantly ask questions of something. Right. But what is also interesting is that there is actually a warlock invocation that allows Speak with Dead to be cast without a spell slot. So... That is interesting to think about. So then you as long as you have like a ninth level warlock with the whispers of the grave invocation, like you can have warlock mediums out there who are very easily able to just, you know, go through a town and just cast this at will. Because to, that's one of the things I just love about those warlock invocations that are like that. It's just is really cool to me from the world building perspective. So you can totally have mediums that aren't limited by spell slots casting speak with dead.
4: And that's just neat.
3: But anyway. So there is honestly a lot just to the subject of like death and funerals just in the just the rules around just in fifth edition, just throughout different books. So before I start, just you know, going through, is there any other just rules as written that you can think of, Nathan? That are relevant.
4: R- Remy, don't, don't look look for me for
3: rules. <laughs>
4: <else>. So no, <laughs> okay.
3: <laughs> so the thing is. Besides resurrection, there is another massively important consideration for the sake of funerals, which is necromancy. So any necrophiles in the audience? God damn it Nathan <laughs> y'all you always have to go straight to necrophilia <sighs> anyway the you know, unfortunate truth is that in a D&D world, like magically speaking, necromancy ain't that hard. It's really easy to just raise a corpse from the dead, and that's not even getting into like magical phenomena that might just like affect an area. So there would be necromancers, like especially, you know. <laughs> earlier ones or even just player characters that are just kind of on the lookout for corpses that they can just like raise as skeletons or zombies just i mean hell just for the sake of labor like that's something that's kind of just neat for me to think about is just like okay so it would be possible then if you just have like a mine for example mines are fucking dangerous that's they just are so having like skeletal miners would honestly be a lot safer so it wouldn't be that surprising to me that like if there is just like a small mining village kind of place like it would not be ridiculous at least in my opinion because it is known that i am pro necromancy but like If you owned a mine and instead of having, you know, workers that are in danger, just have like alive workers to do like the math bits and like the stuff that requires thought. But the actual like mining could really be done by just like a bunch of skeletons. And so it'd be interesting to just like have a collection in the town, just like bring out your dad and just see if there would be people willing to just you know, either donate their bodies after they die or just like would families be willing to just, you know, donate the corpse of a relative (laughs) that could just get turned into (laughs) skeletons? Because like if you you work for the mine, but, you know, you're, you know, let's just say, you know, your father is already dead and, you know, it depending on like the laws of the area around such a thing like you might just say like I don't want to go in that fucking mine but you know my dad's corpse is just kind of sitting there if you want to raise that as a skeleton
4: (laughs)
2: it's kind of fucked
3: I mean honestly I would debate that like yes an argument could be made that it's pretty fucked but at the same time for the sake of like safety and the preservation of life it could be a really valuable system (laughs) so that really is something that a dungeon masters should think about. It's just like, what are like the laws regarding corpses in a magical world that has resurrection and necromancy? Because honestly, like, because even after you're dead, you theoretically would still have some rights like to the body. So whether that is just like, you know, your children have the rights after you die or just like, They have to only if the person fills um, out a will or only if it's like a speak with dead like requirement before they can do it.
2: The state seizes all bodies upon death.
3: (laughs) I mean, maybe like if you have like a kingdom that is pro necromancy, you could do that and just have it be just like, yeah, after a person dies, like their body automatically goes to the state unless they pay a death tax to actually get (laughs) to you know custody of the corpse which is that's kind of fucked up that is fucked up but at the same time like like, i can see the logic of it from the state perspective because there are a lot of like just manual labor type jobs where you don't necessarily want people doing it you know like to work in mines and certain construction jobs like that just are rather dangerous like there's a lot of jobs where just people die so being able to replace that with corpses i mean i would argue that's not a terrible idea is it the most moral thing probably not but what did they say
2: You, you can't die if you're
3: dead Well, you can, though. See, that's actually another important point. (laughs) Revenants are also a thing that are worth consideration. Because there are sentient undead that can return in certain circumstances. So, are you aware of the concept of a grave bell?
4: It's a bell at a grave.
3: So, no. Okay. (laughs) So uh, I don't understand exactly the full history, but the short version is that like there was either a fear or enough circumstances where people would be buried alive so that a hole would just oh, be left yeah, with this. a string. Yeah, so a string would be left in to the grave. Right, and that like right. if someone woke up in a grave, they'd be able to pull the string to ring this bell so that like the gravekeeper could Thing bury them. Ling. Like, yeah. <laughs> But like in a world with you know revenants and such, that's more likely to happen. A lot more. I mean, that, like this thing only really
2: came about because um like ways of people figuring figuring out if you were dead weren't mm-hmm. as effective as they are now. So like there was that still still that chance of like, oh maybe you're just unconscious and something. People mm-hmm. didn't really couldn't really tell, and then they just buried you alive. But shit, that that would be really cool, because there are scenarios in that case, even more scenarios in which that would actually be valid.
3: Yeah, so it would make a lot more sense for you know D and D graveyards to be built with those bells, just in case, because that's the kind of thing where like there can even be situations where like they return to life wait, uh, a year after they after death. I just
2: I just thought of an amazing um Uh-oh. like. Location idea It's this abandoned graveyard that every night you just hear multiple rings of bells coming from it.
3: Yeah, and like, that's just another thing to consider, though, considering how magical a D&D world can be like there very well might be just. You know, certain locations that are aligned to necromancy where like you just have a particular graveyard where just, you know, every full moon, the restless dead rise from their graves, but then come the dawn, they return back. Like you can really set up like some creepy kind of graveyard environments just with that kind of you know DM hand wavium. But Yeah, it's it's just interesting to think about the effect that has. But there is also the other angle of things, which is. If you want to make damn sure that you don't have either your own corpse or, you know, a relative's corpse to be risen from the dead. Well, I would imagine that there'd be a massive increase in cremation compared to burial, which is just interesting to think about because every single resurrection except for true resurrection needs to have the corpse so if you were to fully cremate the body that massively limits your ability to get resurrected but at the same time if you do want to be sure that you aren't raised as undead like, it's it's just an interesting debate. Honestly? Burial versus cremation.
2: I was thinking you could even create one or two special, like, holy spells specifically for this sort of thing. Where it's like, okay, there's holy Cremation, my dear friend, or like or like um, this spell that basically rains upon the radiant powers of above, and then you just get like this fucking beam of holy magic that rains down upon you. The body's fine, but um, any sort of necromantic magic that would bring it well, back to life are all
3: okay, and this is why you should actually read the book, statement how is spell. that thing oh, okay. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you touch a point and infuse an area around it with holy power. <laughs> yeah,
2: that, that's exactly what I said.
3: Uh-huh. It what is. I, what I, yes. <laughs> and that's just a kind of interesting thing, though, because that whole big area then... Like just would be like just everlasting rest is the particular effect that you can put there, which is just dead bodies interred in the area can't be turned into undead. The downside of course being that this is a spell that consumes a thousand gold worth of reagents, so that is a very expensive material component, so most places wouldn't really be able to afford that, however, that would mean that like you know any royal graveyard would be very likely to you know have that effect so again me being me i love thinking about like the big picture the politics all that kind of stuff so let's say that you have like a royal crypt that has hallow cast on it okay cool so they can't get turned into undead however If the precedent is set then that the royals are just like buried in a mausoleum, you know, dungeon, you know, traps, all that good stuff. But what would happen then if someone who were like, if there is just like, you know, the king is killed situation, someone then just goes and resurrects them. Like what happens to just like a kingdom? Where a dead ruler comes back. Like, would a kingdom have laws for that kind of situation just in case? Like, what would happen to succession? Like, would the dead king immediately, like, supposed to get the crown back? Is it the kind of thing where, like, they died, so it's just passed on and that's that? Like, different kingdoms might have different rules for that kind of situation if a kingdom has rules for that at all. Again, just kind of also depending on how common or possible resurrection is in your world but it does just make a rather interesting thing to think about honestly i'm just curious what would be your thought on that particular situation
4: mm-hmm. i I, th- I think it'd be fun
3: <laughs> no but just like how would you just like interpret like what do you think would happen in that kind of thing
2: Oh, um I would say in like this scenario there would be it depends how old the king was relative to the mm-hmm. because if we'll it's say if, if
3: the king was fifty and the prince is twenty.
2: Okay, so like people would still know the older king. Oh yeah but how 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 like it also de- okay let's let's go on a couple of assumptions the the, the prince has been powerful for <laughs> right. a couple of years the the king has been dead for a couple for for that sh- same amount of years um mm-hmm. i would say that most of the older people might favor the king's advice however um everyone would generally listen to the prince because his father's time is over and on top of that because of the way i've written my mm-hmm. setting There's this magic item that the person in power has that makes them essentially fucking really good at wisdom and intelligence, which the king has at this point um, given up his right to uh, because he died. So
3: Yeah, like it's really is amazing just how much resurrection can just kind of fuck with things because like. Once you do get to the point of like the actual resurrection spell, not raise dead, resurrection can bring someone back who's been dead for up to a century, as long as they hadn't died of old age. So it is interesting to think about. So if you have that, you know, 50 year old king who was killed somehow or, you know, just died, whether it was like in battle or what have you. (laughs) Then they can just come back up to a century later. Like, that would honestly be a kind of just interesting story to me. Of just like, you know, a king dies, the kingdom itself falls into civil war, and then like there's a despot on the throne, and then like the party is given the task to just like resurrect the dead former king and then just like help protect him and reclaim the throne. Like that could be a hell of a story right there.
0: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator
3: anyway that was a bit tangential to the topic at hand but interesting for me to think about so that aside there really isn't a whole lot more in the rules as written when it comes to like actual funeral uh Rites and such however there is the ceremony spell which is just a kind of neat one that clerics and paladins can get now uh introduced in xanathar's guide but that does have the funeral right which just for a week prevents a target from becoming undead so it's a much 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 watered down version of hallow like water down to the point where i'm honestly not a huge fan of it because hallow is a big area of effect that just forever well not forever but you know enchants the land potentially to just prevent undead
2: i shall desecrate this land and remove it
3: of its holy power uh, that's unhallow you can do that too oh god i didn't know (laughs) i know but like if ceremony was just like. You just prevent a corpse from becoming undead, period. That would make me a lot happier. But the fact that it only lasts a week just kind of pisses me off because it's just like, then why would you bother? Like, if, if there's a necromancer and, like, it's only safe for seven days, like, that's just not worth it. So I don't know why they even bothered. Anyway. Um, OK, so we did talk about, you know, burial. We talked a bit about cremation as possibilities. But what other types of funerals can exist
4: in a world? Have you ever seen that, that meme where there's see it's like the coffin and then they're
2: like dancing underneath it?
3: Yeah, there's a few cultures, cultures that do something like that. So I'm not sure which in particular you mean. But yeah, that definitely is a thing that can be done.
2: There's a lot of weird funeral traditions.
3: Yeah. And honestly, there's actually like, let me split this up a little bit more. There's kind of two different categories that I want to talk about with this. There's like the actual funeral itself and just like the traditions and culture around that. But then there's the actual corpse disposal so actually let's talk about that second one first just because i mean well i guess there are a lot more options but still let's talk about just like ways to get rid of a corpse so we talked about the two but are there any other ones that you can think of nathan
4: not not really
3: all right so another one that's actually also pretty common in a lot of cultures i know uh Certain types of Buddhists also are a big fan of this one, which is to feed a corpse to animals and just like, you know, give your body back to the land and just allow it to just nourish animals. And this is one that actually interests me a lot from the D&D perspective, because there are a lot of dangerous carnivorous creatures in D&D. It's kind of neat to me to consider, okay, what if you have that kind of, like, bargain with this, you know, powerful creature? Like, maybe you have something like a troll, where, like, a village would not do well fighting against a troll. So maybe they have a thing where it's just like, okay, you know, every... You know, every time that someone just dies of natural causes in the village, like their corpse is just like left at this one clearing in the woods for the troll. And in exchange, it leaves the town alone. Like uh, that thinking... creates an interest. Oh, yeah, fuck. It's funerals. <laughs> the hell. Because
2: I, I, like when you're talking about that, I came up, I, like, I came up with a situation where it's like um, a guy is trapped with a troll or something, but the troll can't kill him. Or his friends with a troll or something like that, right? But they're starving. And then it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, the guy's like, okay, kill me and eat eat my body to get out. To give yourself the strength to get out. But I want you to do this one thing.
3: I mean, maybe. I mean, trolls are fully sentient creatures. That's something that a lot of people do forget about. So like that may well be a bargain that a troll might decide to honor. Like that might freak out the village when it gets there, but it might do it. And that would actually be also just a kind of interesting thing. But just like, again, there are so many powerful creatures and if you were like, could you imagine just like the party just like comes like to a place and then they like just as they're getting there, they just come across a clearing with just like three corpses on an altar. Like that's the kind of thing that would probably concern player characters. And then like they could just get to this town and just, you know, find out about this. And then you have that. You know, just discussion amongst the party. Like, is this something that they decide to just like leave alone and just kind of move on along? Do they decide to try to hunt down whatever the creature is to just like let people, you know, go back to more traditional methods of corpse disposal? Like, or like, has it even become like a kind of religious event to the townspeople? There are a lot of different ways that just you as the dungeon master can handle it or the player characters can decide and like that just decision oh, and unknown <laughs> hmm?
2: can you imagine a, a village that lives near to a cliff and when somebody dies there's like this funeral at you the edge get of get the cliff and when it cliff. ends he <laughs> had to get yeeted off the cliff it's like goodbye uh grandpa joe it's like fucking <laughs> yeet <laughs> It's like body ragdolls down. It's like uh, smashed against the rocks. It's like, oh. Um, yeah. Why do we
4: do this? <laughs> Tradition.
3: I mean, honestly, like, there are, like, just, I highly recommend, just like, Google funeral traditions around the world. There are a lot more things than I ever knew about, and some of them are just unexpected to say the least because i mean there's definitely been cannibalism in certain traditions around the world there's one actually kind of cool modern one now which is a memorial reef where your corpse can just get like condensed into a reef ball to just make a you know chunk of an artificial reef and that's just you know pretty cool if you do just you know have a love for the ocean like that's a neat thing and, of course, you know, fed to animals, I already mentioned. Uh, there's also a newer one in South Korea, apparently, called Burial Beads, which is kind of neat to me. So instead of just cremating the body into powder, the you know, you actually have your corpse compressed into, like, decorative glass beads. Ah. And... And I've actually like looked up some pictures of this. It's really pretty, actually. Like uh, there's like cool colors. Like, yeah, like they're nice. (laughs) But what's also just kind of nice about it, like I have seen just far, far too many movies where you just like see an urn, you know, fall and shatter. And then just like a person's, you know, corpse ashes just go everywhere. And just that terrifies me so the idea of it having like something more solid of you know just what your body is converted into i just think that that's you know kind of nice okay not as fucked up
2: as i thought it'd be
3: no like it's just these kind of nice like kind of pale green just glass shitty jades (laughs) shitty jades (laughs) Uh, yeah fine if you want to call it that but like i think that it's pretty nice and just like again like i like like i personally just from just my own preference lean more towards cremation than burial because the idea of just like my corpse getting put in the ground to rot just is disquieting to me personally but Unfortunately, I also just don't like the idea of having my corpse just be in an urn on someone's mantle that could, you know, fall and just get everywhere and, like, get, you know, licked up by a dog or something that also is disquieting. (laughs) So honestly, like, this is something I very well may uh, decide to do for myself.
2: Talking about consumption.
3: Uh Uh-huh.
2: Don't you think there might be some cultures (laughs) who do use them? Uh consumption, let's I, say. I said
3: yeah, it's, I said that. Like there there have been cannibals through history that just disposed of their dead that way.
2: Yum yum yum
3: yum. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> Fuck you, Nathan. But you're not wrong. But Also, just there's another one that's kind of neat to me. There's apparently a Pacific Island nation called the Kiribati that would bury a corpse, but then months later, dig it back up and just collect the skull, polish and clean it, and then just display the skull in the home. And that's just a thing they did. (laughs) and like that's kind of neat because i i'll admit i definitely do fall into the camp of skulls are cool and so the creepy. idea well sure but cool the cool kind of creepy so the idea of just like okay cool but what's also neat to me from the D perspective is technically speaking speak with dead just requires the head. holy
2: shit that's amazing fuck
3: So, like, you could literally have like a room that just has like the skulls of your ancestors in a line and then just, you know, you know, ancestors guide me kind of situation and just cast people dead on your ancestors skull. Like, that's really fucking cool. And like, that's the kind of thing that to me, at least, would really kind of make sense in a D&D world. So you can definitely have like either just put, just individual families or even just it might be a cultural norm in a particular place in your world where it is the norm to just like bury a corpse, but you keep the skull just, you know, for the sake of wisdom of the ancestors. <laughs> Like, oh, man, it's just really cool to think about, to be in all honesty. Spooky, scary skeletons. Then trims down your spine. <sighs> okay, so are there other methods of just corpse disposal, do you think? Uh, there's um, a blender. Uh-huh, and then do what with it? Uh, jam. <laughs> jam as in music or jam as in paste? Jam as in paste. Uh, okay.
2: And bread. J- we- jammy bread. <laughs> we've already
3: mentioned the cannibalism twice now. You don't need to keep bringing up <laughs> the cannibalism. Okay, then. Uh, you know what fuck it i'll I'll be nice, and I will actually give you a cannibalism related question. There we go. Would it still count if let's say a human died and there was a dragonborn in the party that wanted to eat them? Yes, is that something that you as a dungeon master would allow?
2: Yes,. <laughs> 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 it is kind of a listen, but uh, i'm fine with it
3: uh, i'm uh, ever so shocked i'm not <laughs> uh, yeah, I... although one other thing that just is kind of interesting to me so i am a big fan of the disintegrate spell just because well i don't need a reason it's a great spell <laughs> But it does just immediately, you know, turn a dead creature just into dust, you know, fine gray dust. Like technically, even better than cremation would be. So, just I'm curious. Before I say where I'm going with this, can you guess, Nathan?
4: What if you just
3: okay? Beholders, beholders have a disintegration ray. So. It would actually be good money if a beholder had a funeral parlor to disintegrate corpses. And that's just funny to me.
2: This is Benny, the um, the corpse disposal beholder. (laughs) He he used to be an evil big bad, but he kind of realized that this honestly was the safest place for him because nobody wants to get close to him. So, um, yeah, we pay him quite well because uh, he does a good job.
3: Yeah. He's only killed no, like, see, three I was people. Imagine- well. No, no, no. I was... Im- no, no, Because, no. again, beholders are stupidly smart. So, like, it would own the business in, in its own right. So, I imagine <laughs> okay, just, like, then. this beholder, and it would just, like, have a top hat on for no good reason. <laughs> no good just, like, reason. <laughs> just because. He just wanted to be stylish and it's not like a beholder would easily be able to really wear a suit. <laughs> So if a beholder wants to look snazzy, headwear is kind of the only way to go.
4: (laughs) I mean,
2: technically, it could get a suit, but it'd be fucking nightmarish to make.
3: Yeah, I don't know, because it has, like, the giant central eye, so it wouldn't... it'd be difficult.
4: And, like, a monocle would just cover glasses. Right. Yeah, I
3: don't know. See, now this is something I kind of want to Google and see if anyone has figured out <laughs> how to give a beholder a suit. God damn it. I'm not the first one to think of the top hat, though. There's a few of those, apparently. Huh. I don't see any beholder in a suit.
4: That's a shame. Well,
3: I tried. Oh. Well, no, that's beholder kitten. That doesn't count. Someone cheated by just putting a beholder on top of a suited person. That's cheating, though. Anyway, um, that aside. So besides the whole corpse disposal angle, what are just some other funeral traditions that you've heard of?
2: Crying people. People like to cry at funerals
3: yeah like it has historically actually like been a job that existed like for just a person just to be like a professional like a funeral crier like their job is to just go to funerals and just either to just be there to just like you know cry and mourn for a person they don't know like that's not gonna lie (laughs) eh. I mean, there's just a lot of traditions out there, like, and some people just aren't great at expressing emotions, even though they may feel them strongly. So just to have a person there can be just like very therapeutic for people who just aren't able to as easily express themselves. So it's actually like, it was a pretty valuable, like, emotionally job back in the day to have such a person at the funeral. Like, it's interesting to think about, because, like, if you have a funeral where just everyone is completely stoic, that is just like a different feel than a funeral where there is like, you know, crying members of the family. Like, it's a different emotional output in the ceremony. So, yeah, like, I, I honestly understand why that job existed. Like I don't understand why Well actually no, I guess I do understand why it stopped. It's just humans have gotten even worse at accepting that all people have feelings. <sighs> Stupid humans. On the other hand. So uh let's just go to a little bit more uplifting version. Have you heard of the jazz burials in New Orleans? no what are those so new orleans you know home of jazz so the tradition for certain burials in new orleans then developed to just have like a whole like horn jazz band just like play for the funeral procession where they just start playing like the more sad somber music but then throughout the time of it they like just like transition to like the more upbeat jazz and blues you know dancing through the street like to kind of like again transition through like the emotions of saying goodbye but then also to celebrate the life of the person through that just the more upbeat ending to it and to just like again just let people say goodbye and it's i don't know, i just i really have honestly developed just kind of more of an interest in all just the world types of funerals just because it is so interesting to me like the different tones that different types of ceremonies take around the world because you can have like the very stoic somber funeral where you simply say goodbye to the person who died you know like most You know, American modern funerals at least seem to be more that route. But then there are also people and places where you celebrate the life of the person, like especially when it is, you know, an older person who's died, then you celebrate that they had a long, good life and the things that they accomplished and did, the people that they've touched and you celebrate, you know, a good life lived. But. It's just so fascinating just how drastically different tones the same event can take just depending on just the people involved.
4: So another, you know,
3: honestly, slightly creepier one. uh, I'm probably going to say this wrong. The Caviteño, which is apparently from... Uh, it's a culture near manila they bury their dead in a hollowed out tree trunk that usually gets uh, selected a bit before the person's death and then their corpse feeds the tree and kind of just like becomes a part of it so that's cool just like from the creepy perspective but also cool from like the return to nature perspective however in d and d that can have a way more literal consequence, like dryads and sentient trees and you know things like that are just a normal part of d and d so this type of funeral could well be a thing that just like might be able to just like spawn like. Some form of tree spirit, or potentially even like to anchor the person's spirit to a tree, like depending on just you know how the magic of your world might work. But either way, I just think that that one's pretty freaking cool. Anyway, there are a lot of different ways to deal with a funeral in a Dungeons and Dragons game, but. Just looking at the various things that do exist in the real world and the potential avenues opened up by the existence of magic in the D&D world, it really can be a thing to influence the feel of certain events in game, but also just to influence different cultures that might exist in your world. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rifts and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash riftwakepodcast. Tiers start as low as a dollar, and even that much really helps us out. Supporters get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to the monthly hangout where you'll be able to chat with the cast, and even input on Riffs and rules topics. Find us on social media on Twitter at riftwake Podcast, on Facebook as riftwake, On Reddit, on the subreddit, r slash Podcast, And you can send us an email, riftwakepodcast at gmail.com. And that's
0: it for today. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place